Amen, amen, amen. Uh, we got to talk about Delilah. Uh, in, in the sermons that we've been preaching, we've really been focusing on Samson. But the other main character in this whole tragedy, this whole saga, has been Delilah. And so we got to talk about how to discern the Delilahs in our lives. Because I would contend that there are a lot of us walking around and you have a Delilah in your life. Your Delilah may be your uncle who doesn't believe in tithing. Your Delilah may be an actual romantic relationship. Your Delilah may be a friendship group. And the reason you know that you're with Delilah is because Delilah loves putting you to sleep. Delilah puts you to sleep, puts you to sleep, puts you to sleep. Delilah puts you to sleep. I always tell young men, I, I know there's an issue with weed, not because I'm telling you it's a sin, but because I'm telling you it puts you to sleep. Makes you all tired, makes you unmotivated, makes you lazy. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not really interested in anything that's going to rob me of my full strength, especially not when I'm 34 years old. Are you kidding me? I'll, I, I will take a good old break. I'll take a nice little nap when I'm in my 90s. But right now, when I'm at full strength, I do not need anything putting me to sleep, lulling me to sleep. And we've got to think, if your boys, you smoke weed with them, they represent Delilah. We have to ask the question, who represents Delilah in your life? And how do we discern Delilah's in our lives? I'm going to give you a couple of clues for whether or not you um, have a Delilah in your life. And I'm going to put them in three categories for you, okay? You know that you have a Delilah in your life. Oh boy, uh-oh, uh-oh, because Delilah is controlling. Delilah is manipulative. Delilah is controlling. And this is the essence of, of, of being in a demonic relationship. See, a demonic relationship seeks to control, seeks to manipulate. I don't know if you know this, but God is always in control, but never controlling. God is in control, but never controlling. See, the enemy wants to possess people. So often people come up to the altar and they're praying uh, on how to speak in tongues. And I let them know, hey, we do not believe that the Holy Spirit is going to possess you, take control of your body, and make you speak in tongues. We do not believe that. That is not theologically accurate. The enemy possesses people. The Holy Ghost does not possess people. If you are going to speak in tongues, it is going to be because you made a decision of your will. That you opened your mouth of your own volition and you co-labored with Christ so that the gift of tongues will be evident in your life. God is not interested in possessing people. Delilahs are interested in possessing people. So Delilah begins to say things like, wait, 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 wait. If you loved me, <laughs> if you loved me, you would have told me everything by now. You made a fool of me. Delilah is completely manipulative of Samson. She's emotionally manipulative. So number one, how do you know that you're dealing with a Delilah? Delilahs are controlling and possessive. And to be possessive is a demonic trait because demons possess people. The devil possesses people. God does not, actually the interesting thing is that God owns you and still does not desire to possess you because God is not insecure. 
There's nothing in him that desires to control you. He knows actually that when you make him Lord, that when you make him the Lord of your life, it's the best thing for you, not for him. Number two, Delilah has ulterior motives because she gets to directly benefit from Samson's downfall. I, I think that sometimes we don't realize that the enemy does not show up into our life with a pitchfork and horns. That the enemy actually shows up into our life as a Delilah. The Bible says that he disguises himself as an angel of light. You want to know, sometimes if the enemy wants you to be wants you to be turned off from church for the rest of your life, he'll just make sure that you end up at a church that's abusive, at a church that's manipulative, at a church that's legalistic. And so the enemy doesn't really need to come to you directly. The enemy walked straight into your life disguised as a pastor. Hello. Disguised as a spiritual leader. Disguised as a deacon. Disguised as an elder. And now you're mad with God because a human took their own volition and did something to hurt you. Can I tell you something? That is the trick of the enemy. To use a Delilah as a front. Me and my friends, we used to always joke because there were businesses in Boston that we thought were a front for like a drug business or a prostitution ring or something because these businesses were so illegitimate that they had to be a front for another business. And you want to know? The enemy loves to front as a pastor or front as a friend or front as a romantic partner when really if you pull the disguise off, it's the enemy all along. And you've got to realize that Delilah has motives. She's being paid by the Philistines to deceive Samson and to lead Samson astray. Number three, here's how you know that you are in a relationship with a Delilah, is that the relationship revolves around secrets. Secrets. The Bible says that Samson told her everything, that there is a secret to Samson's strength, and Samson begins to reveal the secret of his strength. Can I tell you how you know, how you can discern that you're dealing with a Delilah? is that the relationship is based on dysfunctional secret sharing. Uh-oh. See, I grew up in a house where uh, what happens in this house stays in this house. You know what I'm saying? And I will tell you right now that sometimes we form bonds with people, not because we love them, but because the both of us share the same dysfunction in an area. And so your dysfunction matches my dysfunction and I can't challenge you to be better and you can't challenge me to be better because our dysfunction fits like a hand and glove. You better be careful who you say you're compatible with because baby, some people are compatible with demons. So you better be careful only being in relationship with people that you're compatible with. You're maybe some people you're not compatible with, but your future would love to be in a relationship with that person and if you were healthy you would be compatible with them but you better be careful dictating who you will and won't be in a relationship with only based on compatibility secrets you can overshare to the point where you begin to form an unhealthy bond with someone based on secrets for a lot of people uh-oh uh-oh I need to go into this camera right here I know people who had a good time having sex before they had, before they got married, and then they got married and they didn't want to have sex with their partner anymore. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because it wasn't the sex that was fun, it was the secret that was fun. I want to, I want to help you. 
I want to help you. It wasn't the sex that you liked. It was the secrecy of it that you liked. It was the thrill. It was the rush. It was the fact that you weren't supposed to be doing it. And you have to be careful bonding with people based on secret sins. You need to be careful that you don't only bond with people based on gossip. Small people talk about other people. Big people talk about ideas. It's small people who talk about other people. If you find yourself only having conversation with someone based on another person you're gossiping about, then you are forming a secretive relationship with someone. If a dude, here we go, I'm going to keep going. If a dude is okay with being in a private relationship with you, but don't claim you publicly, he wants to have a secretive relationship with you. That is not God's design. That means that man, what that, what you're, what that man is saying is that he likes you privately, but you're not pretty or cute enough to, to be his arm candy. That is a toxic man. That is an insecure man. You should not be in a relationship with that man. So you should not be forming relationships with people based on secret pain, secret sin, Secrets about other people, gossip, secrets. Woo! Number two. Uh, you know, sorry, number, number four, actually. Number four. You know that you are in a, um, you know that you are, you should be discerning a Delilah when, when you got into the relationship based on fatigue. Well, you should be really, really careful that you don't start forming relationships just because you got burnt out from another relationship or just because you're overworked or just because uh, there, there's a level of fatigue. What does the Bible say was the extent of the physical relationship between Samson and Delilah? Delilah doesn't even cut, directly cut off the braids of his hair. She didn't even touch his hair. The Bible says that Samson laid down on her lap. That was the extent of the physical relationship. For a lot of us, you wouldn't even be in the relationship that you're in if you were not tired. 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 Tired of people not treating you right. Tired of people not valuing you. And, and we call that a rebound. We call that a, a, a rebound. But I'm going to call that a cycle because... If you keep getting into relationships just based on the fact that you're tired of being by yourself, tired of being single, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. You need to really, really, really be careful because fatigue lets the enemy know that it's time to send a Delilah into your life to steal, kill, and destroy the potential that God has for your life. Listen to me. Do not get weary in well-doing. I get it. You've been single for a long time. You've been single for five years. You've been single for 10 years. Can I tell you something? You're better off being single and whole and healthy than in a relationship with someone who leaves you broken and insecure and doubting yourself. At the end of the day, I'm sorry. I'd rather, I can do bad all by myself. Ain't no point and struggling just to be in a relationship with you. And last, loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. Samson is in a scenario in his life where he's lonely. There's no, the, the Bible lets us know about David and Jonathan and their friendship. The Bible lets us know about Paul and Silas and their friendship. 
The Bible lets us know about all types of people, whether it's Abraham and Lot, whether it's Jacob and Esau. Like, there's just relationships all through the Bible. There's no one named with Samson except Delilah. No one. Loneliness. Loneliness. And can I tell you something? For a lot of us, you'd be better off paying some money and go getting a therapist than to, to share your secrets with someone who is toxic and dysfunctional and does not have the capacity to lead you to healing. Loneliness. I, I, I'll, I'll bring Adam back into the equation. We talked about Adam maybe last week or the week before. Uh, and, and God says this, it's not good for man to be alone. So the only thing that Adam has ever known that's not good is loneliness. That's it. Which means the temptation for Eve is not the same as the temptation for Adam. The enemy tempts Eve with the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. The enemy does not tempt Adam with the tree, with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's not what happens. Here's what happens. Eve eats of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Adam knows she has now sinned. She's going to die. Okay? I need you to track, track with me. Track with me. Come on. Adam knows that because Eve has sinned, she's now going to die. So now Adam has a decision to make. Come on. I'm a, I got to sit down for this one. Adam has a decision to make. Adam can either refrain from eating the fruit and be by himself. Holy but lonely. Righteous but lonely. Eve is doomed. She already ate the fruit. She ate it first. She gonna go. And Adam's looking back and saying, okay, 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 she's trying to give me this fruit. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Because if I eat this fruit, at least I get to be with her. And so the temptation for Eve was to eat the fruit. The temptation for Adam was to stay with Eve and not do the thing that was the worst thing that he's ever done in his life, which is be by himself. You know, for a lot of us, the reason that you're in a dysfunctional relationship with Delilah right now is because you've been given the option between you can live right and be alone or you can join up with Eve in her sin, in her rebellion, but at least you won't have to be by yourself. For a lot of us, you're in the circumstance that you're in because let's circle back all the way back to week one. You would not deal with the pain of rejection because the pain of rejection, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to either go back to your notes from week one or watch the sermon. See, the pain of rejection actually helps you to not want to need people so bad that you'd rather compromise who you are in your character if that means being with them. See, Eve is tempted by the fruit. Adam is tempted by relationship. And for a lot of us, you're not tempted by fruit. You're tempted by loneliness in relationship. 
And what Delilah offers you is someone that you can tell your secrets to, be dysfunctional with, gossip with. Come on, someone that you can uh, numb your pain with. For a lot of us, you're not even in love with your boyfriend because you're in love with him. He's just your anesthesia. And at some point, you're going to have to realize that being numb, there's a word for that in the Bible. We call it leprosy. That actually to be numb is the worst thing you could ever be because pain is a protector. Pain is a protector. So if you're watching this right now and you're saying, Pastor Manny, oh, I got some Delilahs in my life. You know what? I didn't even realize I had any Delilahs in my life. Like I, I had not discerned that. I did not know that. I did not know that I had any Delilahs in my life. But, man, I got some people who are possessive, who are controlling. I got people in my life who, are, who I've bonded with them over dysfunction. I got people in my life that I'm drawn to them because of what's broken in me. I'm drawn to them because I'm lonely. Man, I, I've got some Delilahs in my life. Not only have I discerned Delilah, but now I've got to divorce Delilah. And I need the strength to do that. If that's you, come on, let me know in the chat. Raise your hand in the chat. Give me the hand raised emoji in the chat. I'm going to pray with you. God, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who are bold enough to come on, raise their hand in a chat on a, on a, on a Wednesday night. God, I ask that right now you would give them the strength that they need to go through the pain of rejection. That this addiction to validation, that you would begin to heal it with the power of identity. They would never be insecure again. God, we pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would invade their room wherever they are. That, Lord God, that they would feel your presence. God, that they wouldn't be alone, that they would not feel lonely because your presence would be with them. God, there are multiple times where David is alone out in the wilderness, but he says this, where can I go from your presence? If I ascend to the top of the heavens, there you are. And if I make my bed in the depths, there you are. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that the omnipresent God would be a brother, that's a friend that sticks close closer than a brother for my friends that are watching this right now online. God, I thank you in advance that you are wiping away and erasing years of childhood trauma. God, I ask that you would do uh, in a sermon what it would take years of therapy to do. God, I ask that you would undo some pain and some hurt and that, God, that you would rebuild within us a foundation that is unshakable. God, we love you. We commit our ways to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen, amen. Come on, in the Zoom chat, I mean, in the, in the Facebook chat and in the YouTube chat, come on, let me get an amen, let me get an amen. This is the end of our sermon series called Don't Touch My Hair, but it is not the end of the Wednesday night experience. Come on, every first Wednesday, we meet live right here in person at World Overcomers. Maybe you've been watching for the past couple of weeks. Maybe you haven't come out live to a Wednesday night service. I'm, I'm inviting you. I'm personally inviting you to come out live. If you're in the area, we want to see you on Sunday. If you don't live locally, how about you tune in on Sunday? Our senior pastor has a word for you. I love you. Till the next time uh, that I'm preaching a sermon series, I'll see you then. I'm praying for you, and I'm believing that your latter will be greater than your former and that your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. Peace.